Vargas Junk Punch, once, but no longer, of the very capable four, steals out of torch in the pre-dawn darkness. As he steps out the gate, he sees a form silhouetted against the night sky. It's short and thin, and has a strange, bulbous head that's tilted back as though it's staring up at the stars. Vargas freezes, staring at the strange figure. He can hear it, just barely carrying over the distance, humming or singing to itself in a strange, almost harmonic voice. He's harmless, or at least we think he is. Vargas spins, bringing his metal arm up before him in a guarded stance. Stepping out from where she stood in the shadows beside the gate is... Willow Smith. Mrs. Smith, I... Willow. Willow, then. What... what are you doing up so early? I could ask you the same. In fact, I will. Well, Asher, Brixby, and I are heading to Idenvay, but... Asher needs to stay another day or two for Dinvaya to finish upgrading a weapon for him, so I figured that I would go on ahead and scout things out. Uh-huh. Willow crosses her arms and simply stares at Vargas. He looks at the ground, unable to meet her gaze. So, uh, that man? The one singing to the stars over there. He's new in town? Willow looks over at the figure disinterestedly, before focusing back on Vargas. Yes, we thought it might have been one of Garton's men at first, but he's just some drifter. Scared Mylan something awful. He still won't sleep in the church, but like I said, he seems harmless. He even traded with Caden the other day. But you don't really want to know about him, you're just changing the subject. What makes you say that? Vargas... Even if you weren't one of the worst liars I've ever met, and you are, I'd know you weren't telling the truth because if you were, Kira would be here singing you off, if not going along with you. Oh, Kira, Kira's not coming with us, like she said at dinner, she- Stop. I've raised that girl since she was an infant. I know when she's lying, too. I know she's going to Idenvay, and I'm okay with that. Kira's strong. Much stronger than I was at her age, though I'd never say that to her face. But where are you really going? Vargas looks down again, then slowly meets Willow's eye. I... I need to leave for a while. Something happened, and I'm worried that I'll be a detriment to our team if I don't deal with it. So I have to go meet someone who can help me. I don't know exactly how to find them or how long it'll take to do what I need to do. But I do at least know where to start looking. So you're leaving my daughter to fend for herself? What? No. She'll have Asher and Brixby with her. They're both more than capable enough to take care of her. I thought you said at dinner she could take care of herself. I... yes, I, I did say that. Of course she can. You knew something happened then, didn't you? That's why you're here. Willow smirks. I was an adventurer myself, after all. She drops the smile and looks at him seriously again. Will you come back? I don't know. I'll have to go somewhere that, theoretically, I'd be killed on sight just for entering. I have to hope that those particular orders have been rescinded, I guess you could say. 
Then I have to find someone who's managed to stay hidden from Cole's government for decades and convince them to train me after refusing them to their face barely a week back. You aren't good at making friends, are you? It was Vargas's turn to smile. It's not a friend. A friend would be easy. This person is family. Willa laughs. That sounds nigh impossible. But please, for my daughter's sake, promise you'll come back. She's never made many friends, and with what happened with Parda, and the way she's attached herself to the three of you, it might not be the healthiest relationship, but it's important to her. You're important to her. So promise me. Vargas looks at Willow and nods. I can't promise I'll come back, but I can promise that I'll try. Willow's face grows hard. That's not good enough. Promise you will. Vargas stares at her for a moment, and then drops to one knee. For the second time in less than 24 hours, he gives the fist-over-heart salute of a Kellid warrior. Only this time, he means it. I, Vargas Junkpunch, swear to you, Willow Smith, that I will meet back up with your daughter. Or die trying. She nods. You'd better get moving, then. The sooner you do, whatever it is you need to do, the sooner you can fulfill your promise. Vargas nods back. He shoots one last, quizzical look at the strange figure, now wandering in circles through the field, arms raised to the sky and still humming away, then adjusts his pack on his shoulders and heads out in the direction of... of home. This is Pot Against the Machine. Pot Against the Machine. Welcome back to Pot Against the Machine, the only actual play podcast that brings its own pancakes to the chicken joint. I'm your host, and here's everybody. And they're all over the ground. No, Radley took them. Oh, that's true. Yeah, the pancakes are going, if not <laughs> yeah. to good use, at least to use. Also, hello. Oh, right. Hey. Hello. Howdy. So, yeah, uh, Father Radley canonically grabbed the pancakes off the ground and ate them. <laughs> like a monster. <laughs> they were in a bag. And that's not the point. The point is they were a symbol of friendship. They were cast aside. And then he was like, yes, I want these pancakes. And what we should have done was push them in the dirt and roll them around some. The Radley or the pancakes? Both. Yes. Well, if Radley had the pancakes, it's a two-for-one kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Eating my second-hand cakes. <laughs> well, when <laughs> last we left our heroes... um. Uh, everybody was pretty happy. Everybody was in a good mood. Um, Vargas was off to explore, you know, the world as a whole. And uh, he said goodbye to all those losers who were slowing him down. And um, everybody was fine with it. Nobody was sad. Right? It's all okay. How can you say this? You made Jeff do a <laughs> visual swear. For those at home, Jeff swore. Jeff did a bad word. 
No, I was just reenacting a, a popular scene from hit Marvel film, The Guardians of the Galaxy. He didn't know that was going to happen, and neither did I. <laughs> Genuinely surprised. So, um, Bradley has just walked away with the pancakes. He is, of course, eating them with his hands, which are covered in grave dirt. And um, everyone is hanging out outside Charlie the Lizard Folk's Chicken Emporium. You are not in line. And I think... Um, as we're standing here, it's just it starts to rain because you know the weather can judge the mood. <laughs> so it's just a, a light sprinkle, but you know the acid rain from the from the plains starts to rain, and like sad piano music is coming out of nowhere. We can't tell quite where it's coming from. No, it's actually we have a traveling band in Torch that does just uh, mood appropriate sad songs sometimes. Mm-hmm. We're like seriously, guys, read the room. We did. We read the room. Rent a dirge. <laughs> like Arrested Development, where uh, Joe Bluth keeps hearing Sound of Silence everywhere he goes. Or just the skating song from, from, from Snoopy, you know? Thank you. Okay, good. Yeah, I don't think that's supposed to be a sad song, but it's really sad in Arrested they, Development. They use the. Yeah. Also, if, <laughs> you know, for all you high school choir kids out there, if you're singing the alto harmony, it's uh, almost terrifying. You can cut that out, but someone. Nope. Well, I'm sure we'll know. <laughs> All right, so what are we doing, folks? You got a whole day in front of you. You don't have a gun for another almost two days. Nope, still have a gun, just not the masterwork. Soon to be plus one gun. Uh, no guns. They all <laughs> fell. Dinvaya took the rest as collateral. Get <laughs> stole the guns. Well, how many days does it take to retrain your classes? <laughs> <laughs> Ain't got no guns. Guess I'm uh, going to figure that one out. I'm going to pick your ranger with a specialized target of Vargas. <laughs> Favorite enemy, Kellid. <laughs> Specifically, no clan related. Just, just this one right here. Just the one, Kellid. Mountain Fist. <laughs> Favorite enemy, Vargas. <laughs> just spent the next two days scribing named bullets. He had it coming. He only had himself to blame. If you'd have been there. If you'd have seen it, I'd tell you, you would have done the same. All right, so, I mean, do you have any particular um, direction for the day? I know there was a little bit of talk of maybe doing some recon on a on a gargoyle, and um, you got your shopping out of the way, so not sure what else uh, people had in mind. What do you guys want to do? Uh, Radley, we already talked to him about, you know, folks that we know in Miyaden Bay. We, we need to potentially find other folks other people in the Aden Bay? We have the... We have two people, right? Cricket legs! <laughs> yep. Cricket legs, yep. And then um, somebody else... Oh, no, we have the two druids that uh, yes. Kira's mom told us about. Kira's uh, mom talked about that we're like twins or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That are always fighting each other. Yeah, the... Yeah, uh, Thelpin and Kifkin. Nice. The grumpy druids who always fight. I... And I mean, in terms of actually doing stuff in the town, story, narratively... I think Kira is probably just going to hang out with her family, um, and actually pretty like pretty actively. Depending on what we do here, was like is like I actually don't want to be around these people right now. I'm going to go, um, but that's not great for radio. So if we're actually doing things like she, we could be convinced to go places. Asher is up for a little B and E, and seeing whether uh, now that uh, Sazaduke is you know. In his office hours, presumably his home may not be 
uh, occupied his temporary home. So check out that bungalow. Okay. I mean, if we're, if we're breaking in, then obviously Kira will hang out for uh, security's sake. Pointedly ignore Brixby, though. Fair. I mean, it's not. It's really not, to be fair. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no. I mean, I think that that is kind of the only thing that's on our docket, that way for the gun to get fixed. Um, yeah, this isn't really the fertile ground for uh, fun role play in the town. None of us really are, I mean, just moments ago, we were actually crying. So it's kind of hard to be like, I mean, crime always cheers Brixby up. So the suggestion of breaking and entering, especially mm-hmm. with Brixby and, and uh, Asher's history of um, successful cat burglary, uh, I really think that, or rat burglary or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm down. Well, now you can't cut that out because we can't have rat burglary not be in the episode uh okay so let's see now we're standing talking does someone suggest the idea of going to gargoyle house asking that because kira wouldn't asher would kind of take a deep breath and try and try and shake it off for the moment and and say he's not really looking directly at brixby he's just kind of looking off towards the boarding houses and say i suppose we could see if we can't gain entry to saz duke's Temporary residence, it, it's possible some of his instructions as to why he's still here and when he might leave could be lying about if they're not on his person. Is that... you want to go over there, Asher? Seems the most productive thing I can come up with at the moment. Okay. Well, I can help. I can too. But before we go... And Brixby, again, uh, reaches out and um, just uh, takes a small drop of mercury, blips it on the ground, and up comes this disc. Gets onto the disc, so he's about eye level with Kira and Asher. Listen, I don't know why he chose to tell me. I don't know, honestly, why Vargas does most of what he does. But there's nothing I could say to stop him. We have to believe that he's going to meet back up with us. But it is nothing that any of us said or did. And the only hope that Numeria has at this point is the three of us working together and hopefully making it full very soon. Yeah, I think at, I think at that, like here is very much like literally looking in the other, like the most spiteful, pouty version of ignoring a person you can do. Um, and then at that, like, there's nothing any of us um, could have said. To, uh, like, could have said. What did you say? There's nothing any of us could have done to stop him. And you get a quick. Did you even try stopping him? I did. I did. Yeah, I did to a degree. But as much as any of us can really sign up for this, can we hold anyone else to the pain and the blood, the death that? absolutely lays before us he died kira i know you know that he he i'm sorry i'm not angry it's no one's fault if you choose to blame me i'll understand but know that there's nothing i could do let's go to that boarding house Asher doesn't say 
anything, but he does just, you could see him, his kind of frustration break, and I mean, he looks, he looks older and tired just from the emotion of everything and the, the weight of what they've already had to do. Uh, and he just, he just puts his arm around Brixby and gives him a hug. He doesn't say anything, but he gives him a hug and then starts walking. Gear doesn't do that. Gear just starts walking. Well, the um, boarding house is most of the way across town from Charlie's. Um, you may remember this as the place where Sandville had um, had a room rented, uh, where Brixby spent a couple nights, I believe. And it's run by super memorable NPC that we all totally remember really well, Agron Most. Where you remember exactly what his voice sounded like. Oh yeah, definitely exactly. And um, he has like an office in the sort of center building at the front, and then there's a row of, I believe, nine um, cottages, like little one or two room, basically shacks behind him, sort of at the edge of the town. Um, so you don't actually know which one is Sazadukes. You know, Sandville's was the one at the end that was almost kind of falling over the side of the hill a little bit. You know, start breaking into buildings, break into all of them. Uh, before we go in, we should talk strategy. Do we intend to discuss with Bungalow Bill here? Um, I'm sorry, it's canon. Uh, which room belongs to our friend? Or do we intend to divin it ourselves? Like 30 seconds away from Kira says, Asher, tell Brixby that I will just start breaking windows. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> love to avoid that but also I've just this is going to be the vibe for like the next two episodes and I apologize to all of our listeners and Zach and Brixby in particular uh why did you do this to me Jarrell it really I've been thinking about this all week and I was like not nice not nice is what I was going to say I was like you really put put Brix in an uncomfortable position here yikes well what are you going to do Asher will just sigh, kind of shut his eyes for a second, and then say, Brixby, Kira says to tell you she's going to just start breaking windows. And then he'll he'll look to Kira and say, this is not sustainable. I'll play messenger for now while you cool off, but eventually you two will have to talk. I understand it's been like ten minutes, so it doesn't have to be now but maybe tomorrow yeah or maybe we'll get lucky and you know we'll just let someone else walk away in the middle of the night we won't have to worry about it i think we have different definitions of luck and i'm not gonna pull the religious card but literally my deity is of luck but in any case luck comes in all forms and perhaps we can talk about that later uh hmm i guess we could talk to our dear friend and memorable townsperson Agrin Most and see do either of you want to disguise yourself as a gargoyle and say I forgot my key uh, because that could be a lark yeah should we uh, flip a coin to see uh, which one of us would do better at impersonating a hulking gargoyle and then Brixby realizing no laugh 
at that. He's like, well, um, here's the thing. So, Sam, can Agron Moss see from his... Like you said, it's kind of like a normal campground setup, right? Like there's the center cabin and then they are all in like a semicircle sort of around it. Yeah. So he's got that half panopticon vibe. Okay. Yeah. So there's really no feasible way save bricks going invisible, which he can do for a considerable period of time. I guess up to 14 minutes if we wanted to do use off the rod today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I could just open pretty much every door <laughs> of every place that doesn't appear occupied and hope that no one sees these doors sort of opening in, opening out. I mean, I will say I do play um, a character that has a bunch of mechanics for stuff like this. Um, so if there's anybody to sneak into places, we can do that. I do worry if we at all make it like let Agron Moss see us that they're going to mention something. I wonder if it would be worth it for bricks to go invisible and go into the center building and just see if there's like a log book, like a mm. just telling you straight up which bungalow everybody who's currently in is in. Like usually that's just like sitting on a desk type thing. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know how, I mean, that would probably be a pretty intense opposed perception role against my sleight of hand to take the ledger directly in front of his face. <laughs> Well, I mean, just to, like, look at it when you're invisible, I mean. Okay. We could also just kind of wander and do a cash take 10 survival and see if there's one of the bungalows that has obvious gargoyle tracks. Do they have, like, windows you can look through? Like, you could act like you're just, like, walking along and stare through. (laughs) Though I don't know if he'd have anything inside that would be obvious. A picture of his gargoyle wife and child. (laughs) Is there like a stone sock on a door anywhere that would give it away? I think our best bet, and I don't think that's a bad idea, Jero, that just presumes that it is available and mm-hmm. something that he can get at, which I, I think is possible. But um, but if it's not on the same page and it's not open, it's going to be kind of hard for me to yeah, get in there true. and look at it. So I think mm-hmm. our next best bet, uh, in my opinion, is we come up with a plausible thing that we could give to him. Like, uh, we just sold all of our crappy technological items, but I was wondering if there was something that we could come up with where we're just like, we found this tech item, or we had this thing, some reasonable excuse to try to, but I just don't understand why we would leave it at his boarding house and not at yeah. the, and not the office where he's at, yeah. where it's, we yeah, know okay. where he is all the yeah. time. So I guess, that kind of takes the wind out of my sails. It would be a little bit of a stretch of the imagination. I will say, though, uh, the proprietor doesn't know that we that you already know where Zazaduk is spending his time. And Zazaduk didn't bother to take names down. So you can go up to... And I forgot his name already. What is it? Moss? Alston George? Uh, Arden, Agdron Moss. Agdron Moss. Moss. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I threw a D in there. I yeah. was close. Carrie and yeah. Moss. So Moss doesn't know that you guys already know where Zazaduk is during the day. So you can come up to, go up to Moss and say, hey, we have info we want to give to him. What room is he staying in? But we are also the only rat teenager cowboy trio, I think, in town. If there is another one, You'd then. You'd be surprised. <laughs> to be fair, every, most people in town by now have probably picked up a hat from Western Night. That's fair. That is fair. Well, if they did go on clearance after the Silver Disc Hall closed, they, they were giving them away. 
And, uh, yeah, one of those, there's, there's just little carts selling punchable Brixby faces that you can also wear. Um, so, oh. so rehashing this plan, we can disguise ourselves, go in and say that we have something to drop off for him. But we run the risk of bungalow bill just being like, cool, leave it with me. Like any reasonable proprietor would not. <laughs> Do you want to just go into their room and wait? Um, we could dress up like little gargoyles and say that we're his family that have come to surprise him and see. <laughs> well, I mean, just say you have to talk to him and say, like, what door is his so we can go knock on it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the only other thing I could think is that one of us could play at, like, uh, not being from here at all. Mm-hmm. Still would require disguising yourself and be like, I have something from Starfall for Dukes of Hazard. Sensitive and material. We can't bring it. It could be walking it mm-hmm. through town. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like two people in town who've seen Asher without a hat on. So, Well, you, you have met this guy before. <laughs> there's just another face <laughs> under there, so oh, Asher's God. just going to put his head It's a poor Edward situation. There's, enough, there's a twin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh... Um, Secretly, they thought people barracks this whole time. <laughs> um, potentially unhelpfully, I guess, especially if we want to go with more of a stealth route here. Um, I do still have a pretty strong intimidate. My whole thing was like, look, Kira's in a mood now. Like, let's just go and be like, show us this guy's room or things will get rough. Um, and then don't tell him about it, please, because we're the good guys. My last recommendation is a combination of the two. You both go in and talk to him about Sandville and just get angry. Smash smash stuff if you want to. Like freak out about Sandville. Something relating to Sandville and like do you realize what he almost did to this town or something along those lines? So he is not looking outside. <laughs> and then Brixby, invisible, breaks into everything and just sees what happens. That would make the most fun radio, <laughs> probably, in terms of a combination of high-stakes mechanics roles and you guys having to improv anger for, like, ten minutes. Uh, I would say, also, like, you imagine not too many people in town like this guy or his boss that make force them to pay taxes and come into town every few months and rough everybody up and steal all their tech. You might just be able to ask him what room that they're staying in. He'll be like, oh, yeah, that guy. Screw him. He's in uh, apartment two. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, how do we guarantee his silence after the fact? This is That's, the yeah. question the mafia has been asking for years. So. <laughs> it's nothing new. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking that that last plan is, like you said, the most fun speaks to everyone's sort of current mood. Yeah. Uh, offerings um, and it really I don't think for anyone would even be role playing anger for just great this is great let's this is this is let's just role play 10 minutes of being upset about our friend while Brixby breaks into things that is pointing to our strengths who has the rod by the way do I have the rod probably Brix Vargas <laughs> yeah Vargas took it with him <laughs> it makes the most sense yeah. that you would have it Brix yeah alright yeah. excellent so Br- Brix got that rod um, I think we were just all so like, ooh, Kitan Dinvaya, that we were just like, yeah, 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 Rod, whatever. <laughs> all right, how about this? Uh, you go in with a certifiable 
anger and and then looking to uh, Asher and questions about Sandville and uh, his his place in the plot to either overthrow the current government or the torch or whatever uh, while I just break into everything back there and hopefully not get caught. I'll take both of your silence as a concession. <laughs> Enthusiastic. Then, um, well, and then with that, he pulls out the rod and uh, I think it's an eyelash. Yep, an eyelash encased in gum Arabic. And he's gone. As soon as he goes, Kira looks at Ash and is like, he's going to be like, fine, right? Yeah, probably. Want to go get some chicken? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just go and get back in line like this never happened. Yeah. Got him. <laughs> and that was how the very capable four finally broke apart. <laughs> yeah. There you go inside. You're like, there's an invisible rat trying to rob you. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Um, all right. Let's start with the um, main office um, with this distraction. I think Kira walks in, chainsaw already running, because I get an extra boost to intimidate that way. Dear Lord. Um, just makes the larger door. I feel like I'm really in my head seeing her just get... And then, because that's the noise that a chainsaw makes, I think. And then you just mm-hmm. shove in that larger door area. Or kick it in, probably. I guess that's the most intimidating way. Um, chainsaw running, yeah, approaches that desk. And um, the guy sitting at the desk um, is maybe half dozing a little bit. He's got a a cowboy hat from, um, of course, Wild West Night at the Silver Disc Hall. (laughs) Kind of tipped down over his eyes. But he pops up at the sound of the chainsaw and looks around like kind of pretty obviously um, shocked. And like taps on his pockets and and, like goes like, um, hello. What can I do for you? You let a person stay here some time ago, and that person's a bad person. I would like to talk to them, please. Um, you might need to narrow it down a little bit, and he, like, takes out his book. Oh, do you let a lot of bad people stay here at your gross, awful hotel? Um, I don't really, um, check, usually, um, how good or bad they are. It's kind of kind of their business usually and um i just you know got the rooms you don't detect alignment when people come to stay in your establishment i I don't i don't have that spell sir um i just asked for a deposit and first and last night's um not rent because it's not like a you know whatever you pet the money for first and last night is what I do. Kind of a down payment situation. I think that you have a responsibility to make sure that your um, tenants are not jerks. Um, we're like they were jerks like here. Like, did they bring people here and be jerks at them, or like not here be jerks at them? In in some cases, in theory, they were just well. jerks about town. Well, I would say that I am not personally liable for any jerkitude about town of anyone who may or may not be staying on these premises. I would disagree. Um, 
I want to push something off the desk, just real gently, just like a kind of a cat situation. <laughs> just if there's anything, I don't know. There's like a flower pot or a cup of pens. Uh, silver etching of his children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's got one of those sets of the the clacky balls, but they're um, Numerian, so they're very you know from space. But boy, do they clack if you knock them down. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shove those over. And we're clacking today. <laughs> he winces and goes, if we could all just calm down, uh, I'm sure we can get to the bottom of whatever it is that is the problem. I don't even really know what the problem is. Hey, speaking of problems, you know, lots of things happening in this town wouldn't have happened in this town if it weren't for one of your previous tenants of ill repute. I mean, like, objectively speaking, lots of things happen from with each person that exists just while they're around, not passing any judgment, like things are happening around you right now. Am I to blame for that? He's a philosopher. Get him. <laughs> oh, they're happening. We're I didn't mean any offense. Of those things were bad, and a lot of those things are your fault. So what are you going to do to fix them for us, um, Mr. Allen? Must. Must. Um, I can offer you a complimentary mint. And I'll pick up like the little bowl and hold it out. She knocks it out of his hand. <laughs> I don't want your mints. <laughs> I'm going to need a roll for intimidation on Great. the mint slapping. Well, that's an eight on the die, but an eight plus a 16. So like what? 30, <laughs> 20, oh God, 24, 24. Um, yeah. So he squeals audibly and like actually jumps backwards. And since he's kind of standing over his chair, he kind of stumbles a little bit and almost falls down, um, but doesn't actually fall down. And he goes like, all right, I just, I, I don't even know who we're talking about. or um, I don't know what I did. His name was, are we saying his name? His name is fine. His name was Sandville. Where did he stay? And he thinks for a second. Oh, Sandville used to be in number nine, but he, he's been gone for weeks. I mean, he, I don't know. I haven't seen him since before the torch came back on. Yes, and yet the chaos that has come in his wake and from his actions, still continues to haunt this town to this day. I don't know nothing about no chaos. I mean, I, he's, you know, he smelled bad and he would come here and then he'd leave and then and he'd come back sometimes, but he ain't come back yet. I could, if you want to leave him a note that says, like, you're bad, go away, I could keep that and give it to him the next time he comes. Are you going to go around the town and offer every person here that you ruined a mint? Um, I might. I'd probably have to buy more mints. You, you should do that. Um, I could like I could buy like a big bowl of mints and like go to like the market on fire day and and just put like the whole bowl there in like a note that says like take one. Each. We need you culpable in these actions. Take one because I'm sorry that I did not do due diligence in checking on the goodness or badness of my tenants, and now everything is ruined because of me, and I am so mean. 
Sincerely, ah. Moss. Men. There's a difference between leaving a bowl of mints and going door to door, humbling yourself and apologizing. Well, that's a, that's a lot of doors. I mean, what if I, just, I could stand behind the mints and I could say I was sorry to each person as they take a mint? Uh, Kira takes out the chainsaw and just cuts off a little piece of desk and it's like... <laughs> He said, like, cuts off a little piece of desk, just a tiny, tiny piece of desk. Okay. A little triangle shaped piece of desk, just enough to say, um, his instructions were very clear. I don't remember what they were. I'm getting flustered. Are you going to pay for the damage to my desk? Um, yeah, if you're not careful, she'll turn it into a bear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, she does apologize and offer him a handful of the mints that she dropped on the floor. <laughs> I can offer mints in restitution. They've got broken glass in them. Whose fault is that? <laughs> Don't answer that. Asher will just blow the glass off. <laughs> just helps get the mint into your bloodstream quicker. Don't you worry about it. Oh, yeah. It's like the um, Goldschlager of mints. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, Well, now that you've rumpled his mints, um, we cut to Brixby. Oh, thank the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So Brixby is invisible for... uh, uh, Well, first, I have to ask, was that an intentional, like, schnapps joke that you made after Goldschlager when you said rumple his mints? Yeah. Because, okay, I, I, that's what I, okay, I'm sorry for making you explain that joke, because I <laughs> thought it was brilliant. Um, I, am I was glad. pretty proud of it. It's, you know. <laughs> Rumpelman's is like a peppermint schnapps, if folks don't know. It's a fantastic joke. Um, so, Bricks, <laughs> invisible. Um, let's see, there's seven? Seven uh, of these? There are nine, and you know, like, nine. San, Sandville used to stay in the one on the far left, which was number nine. So, you, I mean, I think sort of know that they count down, or like number one's probably the far right, and et cetera. Is the fumigation tent still over number nine to try and get all the stank out? <laughs> um, I think probably they got the door propped open on that one, <laughs> all the windows. It's going to be some time before that one gets rented again. So yeah, do, speaking of which, uh, do I see any signs in any of these of current occupation? Do I see like the windows open, hear the sounds of anybody talking, see people moving inside any of these? I can make a general perception. Um, yeah, why don't you give me a perception? Alrighty. That is a 16 for a 29. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you can tell that number nine is definitely not in use. It looks like it's still sort of under delousing protocols. <laughs> it looks like there are a couple occupied right now um, over towards the right. Like there's people in them. They've got maybe smoke coming out of the um, chimney, like the little stovepipe from a couple of them. Uh, most of the other ones look dark. Um, there's a decent amount of like foot traffic signs from the bulk of them. Uh, looks like, yeah, it's sort of hardened, very hardened ground. So it's not really the kind that would keep much of a trail but since it is lightly raining now if anyone had come and gone in the past few minutes you'd see but it doesn't look like anybody's very recently come and gone yeah i have a plus one survival too so that would be 
<laughs> like an impossible roll. So it's two, three of them are occupied. How many of them could I tell are currently occupied? Um, I would say uh, two of them occupied over in the lower numbers, like number two and number four. Okay. So I guess Brixby will start with number eight and then work his way down towards uh, five. And then when he gets to five, skip four and then uh, skip two. Um, so, yeah, I will start with trying to pop the lock on number eight if it is not unlocked already. Do you want a general stealth roll for everything, too? Or do you want, like, a, an individual stealth roll with each uh, disabled device? Um, I don't think I'm going to require the general stealth roll just because it, the number's going to be absurd. That's what I figured, <laughs> yeah, because it would be pretty high. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so do you want me to just, uh, just kind of pop disabled devices in the chat? Um, yeah, why don't you go for that, starting with number eight, if you're trying the door. It, it does appear to be locked. That is a nat 20 for a 35. <laughs> um, well, I think Brixby's pretty familiar with this particular um, rather crappy kind of lock, and he knows that he just gets the lock pick along the side of the door. He can flip the latch right up and, and get the door open without anybody being the wiser. All right, he uh, quickly moves in, shuts the door behind him. What does he see? Um, it looks a lot like Sandville's, um, sort of the two-room kind of deal where there's like a, a sitting area that takes up most of the building with like the, the stove and like a little table and stuff. And in the back, there's just a very narrow bedroom with a single bed in it. Uh, looks totally unoccupied. Doesn't look like anybody's stuff is here or anything. Alrighty, I'm gonna slip on out and progress the number seven. Then, are you kidding me? <laughs> Is that another twenty? Um, wow. Yep. Yeah, that's another twenty. <laughs> you really well, know how to work these locks. <laughs> Unfortunately, the door to number seven is a mimic, and it just pops up and goes, oh! no. I'm kidding. It's um, <laughs> exactly the same to open up as the last one, and you see a very similar deal in here. It doesn't look like anybody's using this one right now. All right, he's going to move to six. Oh, there it is. There's a four for a 19. Well, as I said before, these are um, crappy locks, and... Maybe Brixby's a little bit clumsier with this one. Um, it makes a little bit more noise, but pops it open. And um, this cabin, while being basically identical to the others, it's clearly occupied. It's got um, a bunch of neat stacks of paper up on the desk. It's got um, carefully folded like sets of clothing. It has like a, a big mace sort of leaned up against the wall and it's everything is immaculately clean and just like very carefully ordered but it, somebody's definitely been staying there all right he's gonna move to the desk and start looking at the papers that can't be the right one <laughs> says duke hates maces it's true he's more of a, a puff daddy kind of oh yeah <laughs> uh he became a youth preacher later uh, mace, in case anyone's wondering. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. Oh, there's all sorts of papers here. Um, they're organized into piles. Um, so, I mean, are you like going to carefully go through each one? Are you, um, 
just sort of flipping through looking for interesting stuff what what's the the plan of attack here yeah i guess um looking at the like the top sheet on piles can i kind of determine what the nature of each pile is does can i first primarily determine that this is the type of like bureaucratic ephemera uh, appropriate for an attache from <laughs> starfall or is this just like terry the maced tax collector's room <laughs> like this is all of this stuff so i guess first um what am i what am i gauging just by looking at the tops of all of the piles i mean you see like a basically a set of um it appears to maybe be a hand done copy of the complete penal code for numeria um as of the beginning of this year uh, just like very neatly stacked with lots of little tabs on it um with pages marked and then like on the next one over it looks like there is essentially um a hand-drawn spreadsheet with a, a list of names on it all sorts of names and then just like the tiniest bits of notes next to each one and then next to that there's a, a stack labeled sandville tret and then next to that there's like an inventory like a list of items uh with notes on them and um stuff like that so what are you looking at in more uh, detail? Um, I think I'm going to go with the first of the three that you mentioned, the names with the notes. I think that's the first one that I'm going to start with. And then, you know, if you need to go away from me, that's fine. But yeah, that's where he's going to dive into the hand-drawn spreadsheet first, uh, assuming that it's notes from interviews with people. Because it seemed like we were kind of trying to get a good idea of maybe what he already knows. Uh, the Sandville stack is appealing, but I do understand that at least as it relates to us, this is probably the first thing we should figure out. So that's where he's going to start. So this list is, after flipping through a few pages of it, it appears to be a list of everyone or nearly everyone in Torch. And most of them just have a very brief note like next to their name, like a physical description, maybe a list of of what their occupation is um, and their address. And then just like a little note, like uh, this person's labeled compliant, this person's labeled potential criminal, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You see like uh, Dinvaya's in there and towards the end of the list and she's listed as Bri Priest. How about us? Are we in there? Oh yeah. And <laughs> what's our notes? <laughs> um, you're, the, you're the last four people on the list. Um, and they, there's physical descriptions of you. Looks like um, he got the names uh, from What's-Her-Face, <laughs> from Dolga, after you guys left. So even though he didn't write them down at the time, he did get them, complete with Vargas's fake name that escapes me right now. Um, uh, Brosk Mel. Or no, Bron Mel. <clears throat> Which is the Bron first Mel. name of one of the guys that showed up with his mom and the last name of the other one. <laughs> <laughs> but does he spell everyone's names correctly? I'd really love to see him struggling with how to spell Halech. And, yeah. uh, oh, he bricks. nailed it. He's got a picture yeah, of I'm a gonna... brick and, a, and three bees flying around. <laughs> no, it just says Frisbee rent tail on mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it says Bricks Bees. <laughs> is there a Y in Smith? Oh, yeah. You got it. Yeah, the four of you are listed as potential troublemaker? Question mark. Hmm. All right. So Brixby clearly using his uh, <clears throat> linguistic skill, just 
blots that out and writes totally not troublemakers beside <laughs> all of our names and that's good no um, so cool. i guess yeah is there any other notes on anybody like dolga any of the other kind of named npcs that might connor that might jump out at us uh, in terms of like oh god yeah it, it looks like um and Dolga is listed as um, cooperating, basically, um, town founder. Uh, looks like all favorable marks for her. Connor gets noted as a bartender, double amputee, like sour expression, stuff like that. Just basically makes him seem like um, Sazaduk's not super interested in him and doesn't have him listed as a member of the town council, which is of note. Uh, there's stuff, there's uh, an entry in there. Um, labeled Alouen, and there's almost no notes on this one. It just says um, Vagrant and then Strange. Um. <laughs> what does it say about Garrett, though? Is there like four pages? Um, Garrett has an entire page dedicated to him, and it says Garrett Burwaddle, and a whole bunch of notes have been scratched out, and then he just drew a frowny face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like the idea of like potential source crossed out maybe source of info crossed out uh nuisance underlined like eight times revisiting it every day as it gets worse <laughs> i'm gonna ki- commit that that last name to memory aluin because that's one of the ones i don't know in torch which is a relatively small town i think at this point um with all of the parades that we force them to hold for us I'm pretty sure we know everyone's name. We also did that thing at the end of basketball where they all stayed in a line with their hands out and we walked down <laughs> and just high five each and every single one of the members of the town. So after like the 456th, I'm pretty sure that Brixby knows everybody, but Alowin, that's a name he does not recognize. <laughs> so yeah, um, I don't know if you want to go back to our friends. <laughs> uh, well, just cut briefly to um the empty lot behind charlie the lizard folks chicken emporium (laughs) what's going on back there uh there is someone who is crouched down with their hand out with some seed in it attempting to coax the chickens over to them and the chickens are all huddled up in the opposite corner desperately trying to get out of the pen they're in (laughs) <laughs> then we'll um, cut back into the office um, where um, Most has extensive notes on all of the apologies that he's supposed to uh, write to everyone and he is um, eating a mint and going this is uh, so super good feel free to take as many as you want I'll, I'm gonna get more anyways see as we were talking about the code of Kaldir Azuzayistan, you know, mischief brings joy to those who partake in it, but it must never come at the expense of another's well-being. And, and the problem is, and it just kind of... <laughs> um, and we have the businessman transcribing the entire code of Chaldira. Um All right, back to Brixby. What's he doing? <laughs> Uh, all right, so um, I believe uh, of the remaining two, the while the 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 item inventory sounds interesting, I can't 
I can't not look at the Sandville Tret. Gotta look at the Sandville Tret. Well, the Sandville Tret um, stack of papers mostly seems to be... Um, it's it's written like a missing persons report. It has like the last report from Sandville came on Eridus the sixth, and um, the last sighting in Torch that anyone's admitted to was on Eridus the twelfth, and sort of trying to reconstruct his travels, um, where he might have gone, who he might have associated with, and like lists of. You know, people's interviews about Sandville, what they knew of him, and where he might have gone. Um, so, it I mean, it, it looks like he was looking for him. Is Bricks in there? Uh, Bricksby is listed as a, a potential contact for Sandville, yeah. Now, is Fair. that Bricksby spelled That's... the same as the Bricksby that he <laughs> met in the in Dolga's <laughs> office? <laughs> There's like seven alternate spellings. <laughs> yeah, Frisbee Redtail and Brixby Redtail are two completely different people. <laughs> um, and then finally, the inventory, the item inventory for sure, or what appears to be like some sort of item inventory. Yeah, that that's basically like a cataloging of technological items found in Torch amongst the people, all the stuff that people admitted to. So there's the entry on there for the chainsaw and the VMOD goggles and stuff. And he has, like, his notes on them on what needs to be followed up on, um, what has, like, suspicious-seeming stories. Um, he keeps very meticulous records. Are any of ours suspicious? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think he's listed them as particularly suspicious. Um, they have been flagged, at least the um, autograpnel. Um, and the chainsaw as potentially valuable, um, but that's about it. And uh, do I, is there any notes indicating that anyone surrendered any technological items to him? Um, it, it doesn't look like he's tried to seize anything, but it's hard to say if that's because he hasn't come up against anything that seemed interesting enough, or if he um, just isn't doing that while he's in town by himself. Nothing dangerous or particularly valuable. Yeah, nothing seemed to have risen to the level that he needed to step in and seize or... No neurocams. Yeah, no artifacts here, buddy. Yeah, he no definitely multiple didn't... multiple artifacts. The, yeah, it, it's notable that the, the clock... Not the clockwork chapel, the Temple of Bride just had a really cool old uh, end table that looked <laughs> sort of like a boombox, but... Yeah, probably wasn't. It's definitely probably nothing, definitely. And do I see anything else in the room besides the mace? Could, like in the desk drawers, do I see anything else besides those three sacks of papers and the mace and maybe, you know, various traveling sundries or whatnot? I, it looks um, pretty mundane. Uh, traveling equipment. A um, bunch of hungry mans, very all the discarded things very carefully cleaned out and stacked neatly in the garbage bin and all the boxes have been collapsed and then folded um, neatly and placed next to it for recycling but you know, nothing terribly interesting Excellent. all right well um unless anybody wants to convey to bricks via telepathy what they would like him to do inside of this space i believe that he has exhausted the information available I mean, except for the secret drawers in the desk, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. All of them secret drawers? 
And I get those mm-hmm. secret drawers. Filled with additional chainsaws, one maybe small size. <gasps> oh my God, that'd be so cute. I just meant, you know, they were, you looked at the documents on the desk. What about if you rotate the lower, le- like the front left leg 45 degrees? And it makes the compartment slide out. Ah, then it does reveal the whole secret evil plan. Thank you. Um, like specifically, <laughs> when is he leaving? <laughs> that was, he's been keeping notes on that, right? Good thing I'm going home in three days. So he's carrying that stuff on him and his trapper keeper. When you twist the leg, it actually uh, opens up to a basement and uh, Unity's down there. He's got all this important stuff in an attache case, handcuffed to his wrist, of course. I don't know where he got handcuffs big enough for a huge gargoyle wrist, but probably custom job. But I am going to need um, either a bluff check or a stealth roll to sort of check how good of a job Brixby's doing covering his tracks being in here. Fair. So we're going to go with a stealth roll, um, but I will not add, obviously, the plus 20 or 40 from my invisibility here. So just my normal stealth. Uh a 15, I rolled another four. Two 20s and then two fours. At that point, you just start throwing papers all over the place. <laughs> Rick was here. Clearly someone was here, so just flip the desk over and run. Well, you just took a couple selfies and then mm-hmm. left them there. Yeah, well, they, he took them with Sazaduk's phone. Oh, snap. <laughs> all right, that result has been noted. And yeah, with that, because Bixby has no idea how good his stealth roll was, uh, he leaves. I would say about that time, uh, we've exhausted the distraction in the main office. There's like um, so we've... little desk left. That desk is basically a sliver of what it was. Yeah, you've ruined this man's life. And most importantly, Agrin, you will defend children in particular from abuse and evil so their unwritten future can remain bright. We can't do that without you. And we can't guarantee that if we just let any old Numerian fluid junkie come here and cause havoc. So I thank you for your attentiveness to this lesson and look forward to hearing the story of your redemption as you apologize to the townsfolk. Good day, sir. Now that you're a good guy again, sorry about your desk. And she'll just kind of scoop the pile of wood chips into a pile. It's vaguely rectangular uh, and set a mint on top. Okay, bye. He's stunned speechless as you exit his totally ruined office. (laughs) Or was there something symbolic in dismantling the desk of one who didn't care so that when his new desk is created, it's, it's one that breathes life into the community? Hmm... Or Kira's just mad and wanted to break stuff. (laughs) I mean, it could be both. I probably should have put one of those grenades inside the fireplace, huh? So, like, when he starts to make the fire later, it blows up. There's no way he can figure out that I went through his papers. Because clearly, yeah, uh, Mr. Moss just has a defective fireplace at that point. (laughs) We'll just retcon that, right, Sam? Just a little zero grenade in the old... I'm kidding. Oh, do you want to do that? that? 
Do you no, want him? Absolutely he not. turns on the fire to cook his hungry monsters humanoid. <laughs> it just bursts. Totally ruining. You got the mashed potatoes, the corn all mixed together. It's just, it's inedible. You're only supposed to poke like four holes in the plastic. Now it's all holes. It's more hole than film. <laughs> the zero grenade goes off and just embeds all the frozen corn inside the brownie. And then freezes it again. Yeah. Oh, I love that oh, you picked out of it. all of our grenades the zero grenade to hide in the fireplace. Like it goes off and just freezes everything. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like, this fireplace is clearly not up to code. My stove it's is broken. so cold. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Hook the Freon line instead of the natural gas line. You, you hate to see it. Um, so Brixby's going to walk up to both of them, still not visible again. Um, and uh, just be like, all right, let's go. Let's go. And once we're out of sight, provided that they do come with me, <laughs> then Brixby is going to dispel invisibility. So, uh, how did it go? It, it went. I have mixed feelings about how my alignment looks going forward, but <laughs> at least there were some attempts to spread the truths of the yeah, I think it went pretty badly, I'll be honest. On the bright side, mints, am I right? I thought you did really good. And mints. <laughs> Sometimes we make tough choices, but it doesn't mean we're bad people. Sometimes we make bad choices, and it does mean we're bad people. But that's not you, Asher. <laughs> you can't make an omelet without breaking a few mints. Asher does nod, <laughs> like he got that idiom dead on. My grandmother used to say that. <laughs> Nailed it. So, um, well, I don't have, uh, too much to report that we couldn't surmise ourselves. I did find this bungalow, um, fastidiously neat it is, and, uh, three stacks of paper in addition to Numeria's updated penal code for our incredibly carceral friend here. One, um was an inventory of all the technological items in town, including ours. Some, he indicated a dubious provenance. Next was a list of every one in town with uh, an appropriate commentary. Some labeled as compliant, cooperating. Others, like, looks around, three of us here, labeled potential troublemakers so i um well let's just say we should tread even more carefully than we already have finally he had a small dossier on sandville his disappearance seems as if they're trying to trace that determine who he talked to last his associates etc I'm in there, but amidst other names. I uh, think we should keep a very low profile before we leave. And consider leaving as soon as we possibly can, as soon as that gun is done. Did you mention an inventory of everyone in town? Did you see anything about that whole yellow situation will know them when we see them type of person that Radley was speaking about. I'm curious to 
get Sazaduke's impression of the individual. It's funny that you mentioned that I uh, didn't recognize one name. Aluin. Aluin. Not quite sure. They didn't have a phonetic description beside there, and it's very bad handwriting. It's it's honestly kind of out of character for somebody as, as neat as him, but that's aside. So, wherever Aluin is, uh, they are described as a vagrant and strange. I believe this is the same individual that rarely mentioned. Possibly hanging around Charlie's or uh, your dad's shop. Wait, my dad's shop? Yes, no. That's on a whole other <laughs> continent. <laughs> this guy gets around. I know. No, no, I understand. I, uh, I did the, the face thing where I just point with it. Yeah, no, I meant, I meant big stuff here. Sorry, Asher, can you tell big stuff? I mean, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> and, and, yeah, no, yeah, no. Kira had been ignoring it until um, Dad came up. Caden's. Caden's shop. Um, he might know more about this individual, but I don't know. Uh, at first, I was worried there might be Technic League. Or something else. Maybe from Scrap Wall. Starfall. But... If uh, Sazaduk doesn't know him, then, well, maybe we should get to. Very reluctantly, um, Kira sort of turns to look, not quite at Brixby, just around. Do you think my dad is in trouble? I didn't see anything besides compliant next to his name, did I? I guess I didn't ask specifically about him, so... Yeah, I mean, there but. were no uh, red flags um, on anyone in Kira's family, which I suppose Brixby definitely would have thought to, to check them. Um, yeah. Yeah, there were... He is far more considerate than I am. There were <laughs> notes under Sage to check up on that boyfriend in Hajatha Kados. Um, <laughs> Does he <laughs> exist? Question mark. <laughs> Real? Um quote from her is uh, you wouldn't know him so <laughs> which is fair yeah I mean she doesn't know where he went to school <laughs> go wyverns Chathokados <laughs> wyverns <laughs> uh, but yeah uh, no it seems like your whole family is clear except for that um Suspicious boyfriend that Sage keeps mentioning. I think is uh, well, seems dubious if he exists. But yeah, no, that, we don't think he does. Yeah, I always considered that outside the scope of this adventure. Doesn't have to be, if we're really concerned. <laughs> we could. How far is it? Could we go there when my gun's being enchanted? <laughs> True. Book three. <laughs> Never the mystery of Sage's boyfriend. Book three. All side quests all the time. <laughs> Oops, all tangents. <laughs> yeah, your family seems safe. So, I think we have a, a lot of time to kill and uh, not much more to learn about Sassaduke or why he's here. 
Zims is here for the same express purpose that we were feared of, and we are the type of suspicious thing he's looking for. So, um, we should probably meet up with the other very suspicious thing and really just solidify that we're very suspicious as much as possible. <laughs> if they're hanging around my dad's shop, we should at least look into them in case something is weird. Yeah, the Technic League aren't the only baddies. Numeria, I'm sure that what we found under Torch and what we stirred up in Scrap Wall very easily bring the weirdos out of hiding. So, it's probably, uh, yeah, let's go do a welfare check on this guy. Yeah, maybe maybe you can, um, you know, make friends with him, Bricks, and then just, you know, abruptly leave if you're kind of bored. Um, sound like a plan? No, oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to summon this disc again. Wait, what is going on? I'm just... Oh, I got the mercury on my paw. Do you think that's bad? <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're both saying it at the same time. Bricks looks at both of them. As one who has alchemical expertise... Uh, I could say, well, you're just a failed fortitude save away from a memory. Sandville would be proud. All right. Um, maybe we go find them. Do you want to go by your dad's shop? Asher, do you want to go by my dad's shop? I think it bears some investigation. We, as much as we have cared for and do care for this town we are at the end of the day not its guards of keeping everyone in or out it's worth looking into if we worry that they're in danger but I also don't think it's realistic or necessarily in our purview to no matter what uh, we have Agrin Most believe make sure that everyone who walks the streets of Torch are registered with us as good people they can come in and do business and leave. I I can't blame them for wanting to get some of Charlie's delicious chicken. Well, maybe we can just make sure that they've had some chicken. You know, from a distance. Yeah. I just... I, I mean, if that uh, small dossier on Sandville is any indicator, Sazaduke is looking for circumstantial at best evidence connection of collusion uh i think that it is fair out of uh due diligence and, and just prudence to well uh, it's just noticing that kira's still not looking at him and he's just like kira's family let's just let's go do it kira's family we gotta yeah. go look and i will say if mylon radley thinks this person is weird <laughs> That says quite a bit in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I did kind of just gloss yeah. over that. That is yeah. true. That is, without a doubt, the biggest of the red flags. He staples bodies to robots. Staples them right I was about there. to say Mylan robot stapler. Radley. Which, thankfully, Sanzaduke didn't stumble upon the robot corpse fighting rink. Unless he's invested in it. Oh, that's fair. Goes all the way to the top. Unless he hasn't been here for Shovel Knight. But who cares? Explosions. <laughs> uh, so on to see our new BFF, probably. It's out of character. 
keep that chainsaw running. <laughs> we don't know whether they're friend or foe. That's fair. In fact, maybe we just... Asher loads his gun. Shoot first and ask questions later. Yeah, there's this been in a whole a whole alignment <laughs> shift this episode. Vargas's disappearance has pushed the whole party to neutral. Anti-paladin. Yeah, Vargas was clearly the party's moral center. <laughs> you know, book three, um, Asher is just a monster. Yeah. Kicking space pigs. Turns out the only thing stopping him from going chaotic evil was having Vargas in the party. <laughs> <laughs> He's worried about that junk punch. Well, um, you know the Torch Guild house well enough. It's uh, back over in the main commercial sector, so back towards Charlie's and everything. It's a large building that is uh, bustling with activity now. You know, the torch is back on. There's lots of people going in and out with their carts and various equipment and stuff. If you head in there, the older town council member Beslundi Otterby is behind the desk. She's got the goggles up on her head that everybody who um, does this metalwork seems to always just have on their forehead and never actually over their eyes. Um, it's just, you know, they're mostly just a uniform. Uh, but she smiles uh, as you all come in and goes, uh, Hello! Uh, how, how do you find yourselves? Don't all greet me at once. Typically, I meditate on Chaldea's scriptures, and, and I find myself in the calamitous turns, Grace. How do you find yourself, Baslundy? Well, now that it's gotten all philosophical, I'm doubting my answer. I was going to stay pretty good. Um, yeah, we thought it was pretty good, too. <laughs> now we know. Everything is... A moment of depressed silence (laughs) passes over the room. VC3 just traipses throughout the town. Joy Division riff. It starts raining again. That piano music comes back just for a second and then goes away. Um, So, is there anything I can do for you? You want me to to go get Caden or? Yes, please. Uh, Just one moment. And she'll jog off into the back and a few minutes pass in silence and um, then Caden uh, <laughs> returns and he's, you know, actually wearing his goggles because he was working with hot metal and stuff. He's got like the, the lead apron on and like all that protective gear because he's very OSHA compliant. He says, uh, Kira, Asher, Brixby, um, what, what can I do for you? Look at my chainsaw. But also we had a question. Yeah, when you said minutes of silence passed, you meant other than the always present chainsaw in the background. That's just white noise at this point. (laughs) Um, we're looking for someone, or, uh, well, looking for information about someone. There's, There's a new person, well, new something in town, and they've been hanging around the shop. Do you know them? Yeah, <laughs> he thinks for a second, and then he nods. Um, uh, there was, um, I want to say a fellow, uh, not 100% sure on that, but uh, he was um, in here a couple days ago. Um, it was pretty strange. Um, you're talking, you know, yellow robe situation, hidden face, very... Yes, I'm told it was all yellow. 
It was. It was. That was a cold play, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they had a um, a dagger, however, the ornately jewel encrusted thing of. Uh, must have been some kind of ceremonial piece, not really a, a useful item as a weapon. Uh, but they it traded it um, just the other day uh, for, uh, I want to say, an adamantine weapon of sorts. Uh, he'll head over to the case, like by the desk, and uh, open it up, rifle it through things, and produce like this absurd, um, overly gemstoned dagger that looks like it's some kind of sky metal. Um, and it looks like, you know, bulky and like the grip would hurt your hand and like poorly balanced. Like it looks like if you fought with it, you'd hurt yourself more than you'd. Yeah, it looks um, like it's like purely for uh, decorative purposes, like ceremonial use. It does not look like something you could actually do anything with. Would a knowledge local tell us anything about where it might be from? Uh, maybe a knowledge. Knowledge religion, maybe? Yeah. Natural 19 on that knowledge religion for a 26. Ooh, spicy. Um, I would say that this sort of ritual dagger is the type of thing you might find um, generally in more Ustalavic cult territory. Uh, there's lots of different flavors of those cults, but uh, they, generally speaking, have the sort of blood sacrifice or blood magic angles. You know, just pleasant things. Not the kind of thing you find around here, and certainly not the most conventional kind of god worship. This is a troubling find. I think it's best that we track down this individual after all to see what their intentions are here in town. This is a... This is an unsettling weapon, to say the least. Wait, why? It's hard to say specifically to what higher power this might be dedicated, but a weapon like this is usually, as far as I know, and it's thankfully not my area of expertise, but for either blood magic or blood sacrifice. And I mean, blood sugar crazy, (laughs) she has it. Yeah, I was going to make a terrible Red Hot Chili Peppers joke, so that's fine. That's that's just as good. <laughs> okay, well, uh, if they could be trouble, then yeah. Let's hunt them down. Dad, you said they haven't been here in a couple days? Um, I mean, they've been hanging around town. Um, I, I keep seeing them um, over by um, Charlie's um, or... At the hanging out at the uh, Temple of Bri, they seem to be sort of circling the place like they're casing the joint, but Mm. they've been harmless enough in my experience with them, just strange and unsettling. Just counting crows. Stone face on that one. (laughs) Well, uh, this sounds like, uh, well, we could have a mob on our hands then. This sounds like a good old... Light up the torches, grab the pitchforks. You all have pitchforks here, right? Oh, we have, we have many, many varieties of pitchfork. We do the four prong, the three prong, the sort of. Do you do the four prong in small? Um, we we might have some children's ones, but I can't promise they're most um, oh. 
Kira's looking over Brixby's head at her dad. She's like, no, no, dad, don't. <laughs> well, <laughs> before we get into the running this person out of town whole situation, I know this will shock you because you seem to have not realized it was happening at any other time in our adventuring, but I would like to try a diplomatic approach first. See Brixby mouth the words diplomacy like it's a foreign term. It's just like <laughs> right, yeah. It's just mouths four prongs small. Caden, <laughs> kind of trying to do it in front of his body. Just Caden <laughs> does the some visual humor for people. <laughs> yeah, Caden does the like nod to Brixby and then makes eye contact with Kira and shakes his head like no. That's only and a natural four perception. <laughs> Asher did not see that. Back to Brisby, yeah. You must be this tall to pitchfork. Um. Oh. oh, if I just oh, if I cast the disc, I oh, whatever. Let's go. Um, and I think now that we have a, a lead on this strange, possible cultist wandering around Torch, seems like time to go to bed. Night Sam. Good night, Sam. Good night, Sam. Property of Network Against the Machine, LLC, all rights reserved. Pathfinder and the Iron Gods Adventure Path are property of Paizo Publishing. See their website for more details. Theme Against the Machine was written and performed by our own Zach. See the show notes for additional music and sound licensing. If you enjoyed the show, we encourage you to leave us a review. I am recording... Again, turning mine back on. Me too. Hey, look, Audacity. I have waveforms. Yeah. Oh, look, it's Craig. We can <laughs> see him. Yeah. Welcome yeah. back. Why does he have it's a got all of us. We're a little useless bear thing. All right. Um, oh. Yeah, I just like that at this angle, everyone can see my embarrassing not installed door in the background, just leaning <laughs> up against the wall where it's been. I'm not going to say how long. Well, you could always try installing Windows. Sorry. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> right. Don't apologize for that. That's a blooper. <laughs>